What's up, friends? Welcome to Date to Meet, the show where I try to help you suck less at dating. Today's episode is about maintaining relationships. We'll start with how to navigate coming out of the honeymoon phase and end with how you can keep the spark bright years into your relationship. If this sounds interesting to you, keep listening and as always, enjoy the show. absolutely convinced that there is an epidemic plaguing the nation and no it is not COVID-19 or the aftermath of which we've been dealing with for the last couple years but it's the plague of poor long-term relationships or just non-existent long-term relationships it's like all of a sudden people have forgotten how to have one partner and do so in a way that doesn't make them want to rip their eyes out of their heads Uh, It's something that's just so perplexing to me because you would think in today's day and age with all the access to resources, you know, we have YouTube, we've got the internet, we've got all these forums and such. You think that people would start to share more knowledge and information around how to become, you know, more successful at having a long-term partner. Now, I know that a lot of people don't really want to do that or they say that they don't want to do that, but I do think that at least in the United States, there is an overwhelming majority who want and prefer monogamy. And not just monogamy short term, I think monogamy long term, you know, ideally one life partner that you can find as soon as possible and checks all the boxes and gives you the opportunity to have the life that you want to live, to bring children into the world if that's your thing, to build an awesome life and create generational wealth that then leaves your stamp on the world and that becomes your legacy. And I think a lot of people want that for themselves, but it's just so strange that we don't act in a way that's consistent with that desire. And I don't think it's because, you know, we don't truly want those things or that we, you know, are lying to ourselves or to society. But I do think that we are lying to ourselves about our ability. I think we just lack the knowledge or the wherewithal to put pieces together in order to create healthy relationship settings. So today's episode, we're really diving into how do we maintain a relationship beyond the honeymoon phase into the later years, and then we can even brush up a little bit on marriage. You know, I'm not married myself. I will be in the foreseeable future at some point, but I argue, and I've always argued, especially as I've learned more and more about myself and about the dating landscape, is The reason that people have successful marriages, the reason that our grandparents and our parents, even if you have, you know, great models of parents that have been together for years and years, the reason that they have been successful is because they stuck to a couple key principles. They continued dating each other. They treated their relationship as if it was something that was ever growing and continuing to evolve over time. They didn't just settle for, yep, we're together and I know her and she knows me and that's how it's going to be for the rest of time. Instead, they pushed up against that. They challenged one another to grow, to listen, to learn, to become all that they could be and tap into the potential that has always existed deep down. I know that that sounds a little bit abstract or crazy, but I really do think that that's a lot of what you know our generations before us, the people that we are descended from really had going for them. And I think a lot of that was because they weren't caught up in the distractions of social media and the internet and just this oversaturation and stimulation of just media, 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 information, information. Like it's amazing all of that stuff, having access to it, but it really cripples our ability to connect with people 
one-on-one and it goes beyond just romantic relationships. Look at our relationships with our family. Look at our friendships. Half the time hanging out, you know, I'm doing air quotes back here. Hanging out just means like sitting in a room with your buddy while you're on the phone and he's on the phone and you're scrolling TikTok or scrolling Instagram, whatever. Maybe you're watching YouTube or playing video games and you're you're together, but you're not. Like it, it's it's a weird, it's just a weird situation. And that's increasingly become how people are spending air quotes, quality time. And also I think the way that a lot of relationships are happening, they're, they're kind of on autopilot. It's like you're in the same room together, but are you actually experiencing one another? Are you, are you actually creating quality moments and memories that are going to help your relationship continue to stay healthy, stay afloat? And so when we talk today about how do we get out of the honeymoon phase and into the more of the long-term phase and how do we create situations where we feel really comfortable and, and positive about you know, the partner that we've chosen and the circumstance that we're you know, living every day. And it starts by going back to the basics and, and looking at what made you successful in the beginning that's not making you successful now or causing you to lack the success that you once had. And I think a really easy place to start is look at your situation, look at the mirror, like go back over your calendar or, you know, try to recall from memory, you know, what was I doing? Was I going on dates? Absolutely. You were going on dates. Were you providing more of an opportunity to, you know, get in touch with one another? Were you finding moments that you can connect and really share in the quality one-to-one time um, in exciting locations, not just inside your house? You know, those are things that are really important. Do you share that same sort of interest and level of intensity around discovering who your partner is? You know, you really have to think about all of this stuff uh, and put it on the wall and, and connect the dots. Like, look to see, you know, am I going on the dates? No. Am I courting them the way that I used to court them in the beginning? No. Like, these types of things will put you onto the path where then you start to understand, you know, all right, I have changed my behavior and maybe I didn't even realize it, but you know, maybe I can go back to those things and just see what happens. Cause, cause what's the worst thing that happens, right? You go back and start to do things that you used to do and you don't get the same results. Well, it's not for lack of trying at that point. At least you have some information, some feedback that, you know, lets you say, okay, I've tried my best. I've done what I can. And then you adjust on the fly from there. So looking at if you're going on dates and continuing to court is definitely something I would absolutely key in on. Another thing too is when people are out of the honeymoon phase and they start to get more comfortable, usually this happens in the first couple months. I would say most people can kind of hide who they are for, I don't know, the better part of 60, 90, 120 days. So usually like three to four months. Um, that Again, it really does depend on how much time you're spending communicating and also spending in person together. But you should start to pick up on the vibe of who someone actually is after a pretty decent amount of time. Um, not not extremely long though. So like you you should be able to figure out, you know, relatively quickly, okay, you know, this is someone that I I think that I know and that I want to spend you know, time with long term, or hey, this is not someone that's gonna work for me. And that's okay. It's better to have that information sooner than later and then make appropriate decisions because we all have a limited time here on earth. We don't want to waste it. But when you're looking at, you know, the the people that you are with, a lot of times as we get more comfortable and we start to find out who people are, we adopt a generally more callous attitude, maybe a little bit bitchy, so to speak. Those are things where like, 
you know, you don't even realize that you're doing it. But again, you're you're going into this state of just being on autopilot. It's like now you've come to expect that this person is going to be in your life. They're your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You know, you've become routine to the notion of they're going to be here after work a couple of days a week, or I'm spending my weekends at their place, or maybe we have plans to move in together um, down the road. I actually have a really interesting take on that too. Um, around people being in long-term relationships um, that actually aren't that long. I consider anything long-term, you know, greater than six months. That's just my own preference. You can call long-term whatever. Time is relative to folks. But from my point of view, anything longer than about like six months is where you start to enter into more of the the long-term relationship stage. Um, But again, up to you. Now for my, by my definition of that, like the, the six months, I actually think that a lot of people don't move in together and don't commit to one another soon enough. I actually think that, you know, after six months or a year even, you should feel comfortable enough with someone to know whether or not you want to move in with them or not. Now, that's not saying that your life circumstance might allow you to do that. You might like the resources. You might like the timing. You know, there are so many reasons why you might not actually be able to create that for yourself and for your partner. But I think that people would benefit from actually committing sooner because sometimes having more choice and having more time to overthink, especially if you're an analyzer like me, like many of the folks that I know, you will fall into a state of, of overthinking where all of a sudden now the, the feelings and the thoughts and the situations that you've put adequate time into assessing, now all of a sudden you're questioning them. You're, you're double you know, um, questioning yourself, you're, you're triple thinking everything. And now you're into a state of mind where you can't trust anything. It's like your reality is now a bunch of other realities rather than that one that you have thought about and felt comfortable about. So I actually think the less time that you have to go over this stuff, the better situations and the better decisions actually you you end up making um, because you know, you're allowing yourself to operate in the moment, to feel the present, and you're also able to, you know, push yourself into a direction where you say, now there's no turning back. There's no giving up. I think a lot of times people enter into relationships and even into marriages with this idea of like, I can get out if it gets worse enough. And of course, of course, that op- like that option always exists. There's always an opportunity to get out. You can get divorced. That's why the freaking divorce rate in this country is so high. But I, I just don't recommend even like getting to that point if you can avoid it. Like, why don't you take the steps to evaluate someone before you even get to that stage? And no, it doesn't take that long. I think people have come to this idea that, oh, you have to take a long time to really, you know, evaluate the person, vet them, evaluate the situation, understand where you're at in your life, blah, 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 blah. I agree with all that stuff. But I don't think it takes nearly as long as people make it out to believe. I think that they hide behind that. They use it as an excuse to hide red flags or delude themselves. You know, you'll know pretty quickly whether someone is top tier or not. You'll know if their values and if their ethics, who they are fundamentally as a person, aligns with who you are. Now, if you want to spend time with that person, date them casually, whatever, do the opposite of the date to mate way and just kind of have fun with it. By all means, do your thing. But understand that if you're looking to enter into something serious with someone that doesn't meet the fundamental criteria that you need in order to have a long-term awesome relationship, then you absolutely should bite that bullet, rip the Band-Aid off, and move on to the next person. 
You're only doing yourself a disservice because those are the types of situations that lead to the really, really long, like drawn out relationships where the couple's been together for like five, six years. They're, they're adults. They don't live together. You know, they, they haven't talked about getting engaged or married. They're, they're kind of just like living and playing out this thing. That's not real. You know what I mean? They're real in, in the sense that they're together, but their love, their desire to build a life isn't real. It's, it's pressure from family or, you know, it's whatever. It could be just avoidance because they're scared to make a decision and live with those consequences, but you don't want to enter into those things. So, you know, to, to really put a, a, I guess, a stop on this whole long tangent about, you know, my, my unorthodox belief that people should actually, you know, move in sooner, get married sooner, like make the commitment sooner. Um, I just, I really think that that could help people because I don't think that we have an issue, you know, maybe it's a little bit, it's, it's evaluating and picking and that's kind of where date to mate and myself and my lessons I hope can help you get better at selecting the right people. But once you tune that radar enough and you trust who you are and, and what you value, what you know, that should give you the freedom to make decisions, not super quickly, but quick enough where it feels natural and you're not wasting any of your time because I think a lot of people do get caught up in that world where they're just so scared of making the wrong decision that they almost never make a decision at all. Or they paralyze themselves into settling because they've run out of time and they haven't given themselves the freedom to actually experience different kinds of people and you know be honest with themselves about toxic relationships and things that just no longer serve them. You know, As human beings, we evolve, we mature, we develop into different people as our life matures and goes on. So, you know, you're ideally looking for someone that can help do that for you and with you and grow alongside you. And and you have a relationship that can really feel like many different relationships inside of one throughout the journey of your life. And as you age, you know, you'll bring children and grandchildren potentially into the world or you'll have friendships that mature in age and milestones to celebrate. And all of a sudden you, you find yourself with this amazing gift that isn't just one person, but you know, a multitude of people and learning consistently about your wife or your husband as they age and grow old and sharing your experiences and having that consistent person in your life will make such a huge difference. So move in together soon, get married soon. If you're the right people, I really believe that. And if you're not with the right people, you know, I, I think at that point you, you just need to be honest with yourself. So, you know, be constantly evaluating and looking at things the right way where you can. You know, another thing too, I think people, so, you know, there's the whole idea of not moving in together, you know, having some red flags, yada, yada. I, I, I do think that that obviously plagues people in long-term relationships, but I think another thing that really hurts people, and, and this is something that grows over time. It doesn't just happen one day, but people start to no longer care about their significant other's feelings. You know, as that spark starts to fade, we become more selfish, whether it's circumstantial or, you know, just something that is, it festers inside of us for whatever reason, you know, as we stop caring about the other person's feelings, we stop giving attention to and, and caring for the things that that person cares about. So maybe it's their friendships with their own people in their circle or their own family members. You know, we stop making an effort to understand those people connect with them. Maybe we're rude to them and we start to create toxic situations, a, a bunch of mini toxic events that then over time grows the resentment, 
grows a horrible living circumstance, and then you feel like you're forced, you're stuck. A lot of people get divorced, not because I think they picked the wrong person. I think they get divorced because they stop trying with the person that they picked, and they do it for many times selfish reasons. They get too caught up in who they were or who they want to be rather than who can I be for my family, for my partner, who should I be to to live the kind of life that I want to live. And I don't think people do enough self-reflection. I don't think people look at, you know, a life where it's not all about me and about my wants and my needs, but about putting other people's perspective um, also at the forefront of our minds and, and making decisions that benefit everyone that we can, doing the most good while reducing the amount of harm that we do in our lives. Super, super important. And, you know, I'm not out here preaching to tell everyone like, hey, I, I live the ideal life and you should live it too, or this is the way that you have to live. But if you genuinely care about having someone romantic in your life for the long term and you want a situation that's really going to be amazing, something that you can be proud of and that people will speak about once you're gone about how much love you had in your relationship and how much love that that then brought into your family, you have to subscribe to this stuff. There's no excuse. You can't live a life self-centered and self-focused. Now, it's important to put yourself first when it comes to taking care of your body and doing things, you know, taking actions that keep you healthy. Absolutely. But in retrospect, it's being in service to others that actually, in my mind and from my point of view, puts your own well-being and, and, and puts your path, like the most ideal future that you can have into focus. By being in the service of others, you're actually putting yourself first because you're going to create the best future that you could possibly have, a future where you feel fulfilled. This all is hugely, hugely, hugely impacted by the quality of your long-term relationship. Your romantic partner is the person that you will spend, you know, if you're lucky, the majority of the time that you have on earth with across the entirety of your life. It's your parents early in life and then it's this partner as time goes on. So, you know, it's really important to get good at this stuff because you don't want to lose a person that you absolutely adore that you feel like could be that life partner because you're unable to move into the long-term phase. It is a transition. It's something that doesn't just happen like overnight. But the beauty of it is it's a transitionary phase, but you can master it and conquer it by going back to the beginning and doing the things that helped you get to where you are in the first place. Every single discipline in life, every single discipline, whether that is it's athletics, whether it's academics, work, you name it, doesn't matter. It all comes down to doing a set of basic ideas. Now they might, they might be simple. That doesn't mean they're easy to do or they're easy to be consistent with, but they're simple and they're basic in practice because they are the building blocks. And as you learn advanced techniques, as you learn advanced concepts, your skill set and anything develops and matures, you'll always, always, always need to go back to this foundation in the basics. And it's the same thing with dating and relationships. What got you there doesn't always mean that it's going to keep you there, but a lot of what got you there, people throw out the window once they've gotten there and then they don't want to do it anymore. And I know that that we probably got confused while I was saying that, but essentially what I mean is 
just because you've had success doing something in the past does not warrant continuing to do it for future successes. However, if what something that you did got you to where you are now, and it has demonstrated that it continues to work for you, why would you stop doing it? It's like, why would I stop exercising if exercising put muscles on my body, which made me feel good about myself and ultimately made me healthier? Is it true that lifting weights for the rest of my life will keep me healthy and and increase my longevity? No, because past a certain point when I'm like a hundred years old and I'm bones and brittle, I hope to live that long. You know, there will come a point where I just won't be able to still do the things that I used to do, but I still got a lot left in the tank. And I think for, for dating and relationships, you know, even look at sex. It's like, there's people that have the best relationships that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and still have sex. I, it's, it's a shrinking number. It's definitely not as, as much as you, you know, would hope, but there are examples of people out there that, that are doing that stuff. And it's like society tells you, oh, once you have kids and once you get to a certain age, like, you know, your libido goes down. You're not going to have sex anymore. It's like, nah, dude, some of the best relationships that people have, they're having sex into their seventies, eighties. And it sounds probably creepy. And maybe, maybe that image in your mind is, is making you a little, un, you know, uneasy or queasy, but like literally that is a possibility. And, and, and I think that's the ideal. So, you know, going back to the basics, doing the things that got you to, to where you are now, at least trying until those no longer demonstrate that they're successful for you is a really good thing to always keep in the back of your mind. Alongside that too, there's something that I want to talk about uh, on the topic of, of the sex and not the old people's sex that we just <laughs> spent a little bit talking about, but like, you know, the sex that most people are having now and uh, the people that listen to this podcast. Um, you know, obviously people have their own views on it. If you're religious or whatever, you're more promiscuous, you might have your your own opinions on sexuality and expressing that. But fundamentally, good relationships are relationships where people are having regular consistent sex. It's probably taboo to talk about it, but we should talk about it because it's important. You should be having sex at least a couple times a week for the rest of your life with your life partner if you happen to be with that person long-term and you're lucky enough. So that's two to three times every seven to 10 days. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to always be that way. If you're having kids, you know, life gets in the way, stress, whatever. But like on average, two to three times a week, that's a healthy relationship. You should be intimate. Now, what people don't realize is, you know, they'll stop having sex. And then it's usually it's the guys like, you know, they'll go to couples therapy and the guy will be like, yeah, you know, we just don't have any sex anymore. It just sucks. What you'll notice is the guy will be complaining about the lack of intimacy physically and the woman will be complaining maybe about the lack of intimacy physically, but she'll also primarily be complaining, I guarantee you, about the lack of emotional and mental intimacy. Because what happens is over time, the man neglects the woman, doesn't take her out, doesn't treat her as a priority, doesn't ask her how her day is, right? He continues to devolve the situation and and honestly return it back to the point where they're almost like strangers and roommates living with each other. And then the woman starts to pull back because in order for women to really, you know, beyond a one night stand or that happens oftentimes drunkenly where emotions get heightened because of it, a majority of women don't take it to that next level of intimacy physically until they feel some sort of emotional intimacy, some sort of connection. Now there's of course exceptions, 
but they are exceptions to the rule. On average, I would say the rule is when you stimulate a woman emotionally and you get her involved in that sense, you're going to have a lot more success getting to the finish line. So a lot of guys think, oh, I have a sex problem and that's why I don't feel motivated to be in my relationship anymore. I don't want to put in any effort. I don't feel like my wife or my girlfriend's attracted to me anymore. And it's like, no, dude, you don't have a physical intimacy problem. You have a, a emotional intimacy problem. You need to figure out how to stimulate your the mind and emotions of your partner again in order to start having sex. And dudes, just forget this. They throw it right out the window. It's like, it's not, again, it's not complicated. It's simple. I know it's not easy, but you know, if you can just go back to thinking like, how did I used to do this back before? Well, I took her on dates. I was interested in her. I would ask her questions. I wanted to know who she was. I wanted to engage her emotions. These are principles that we can't forget. And so when we look at the physical intimacy part, we end up looking at this feedback loop of if one is if one part of the wheel is broken, one spoke, then the entire wheel will not spin. It will break down. But as soon as you get that spoke in the right place, then the next one is in the right place. And you're able to repair it, repair it. And now all of a sudden, the wheel continues to spin. It feeds itself. When you engage with the emotional uh, components and the emotions of your partner, man, I'm talking to you with your woman, you will then get the physical results and physical outcomes of it. Maybe not always, maybe not every single time, but more often than not, you will create an environment where that will happen more, more frequently. And then as a result, the woman will feel more comfortable. She will then start to initiate even at points, but partake in that. And then you're having more sex and then you're having more emotional stimulation. And now all of a sudden we have a great happy situation. Everyone is feels satisfied, wanted, loved, enjoyed, and your relationship's back on track. I bet you if you looked at all the people that have bad relationships or get divorced, that they're like towards the end, they're like never having sex. They're probably not doing anything. They're literally living like roommates and there's just, there's no sharing of anything. And it just feels like, you know, very platonic and, and it feels like there's sort of nowhere out. And I get it. Like I understand it's easy. Once an avalanche, you know, once the first snowball starts rolling and, and, it, and it grows, it grows, it grows and it becomes an avalanche. Like it's really hard to stop that once it's taking place. But if we know that these things are going to happen, if we can anticipate and look out for the signs that, hey, our relationship is going down a path that we don't want it to go and I don't feel like I want this anymore, we need to stop where we are, go back to the basics and think to ourselves critically. We know how to get to this point because we're here. We've known how to get here. Can we remember the times that we were happy in a relationship? Can we remember the moments where we were like, damn, I feel so lucky and blessed that this is what I get to live out every day? If you can remember those things and you're capable of creating them because you've done it in the past, there's nothing that should show you or prove to you that you can't do it again in the future. You build an undeniable stack of proof that you are who you say you are and that you're capable of doing what you're capable of and watches the results come pouring back in. It's almost like magic, but it's not. It's just you showing up and doing the work every single day. If you made it this far in the episode and you're still listening, I appreciate you guys as always. That puts an end to this episode today. I thank you so much for all of the support and I hope that I will see you in the next one as always. Appreciate you guys. Much love.